so basically, I, I, I went to sleep nice. I watched football, watched the film on Netflix. I wasn't stressing myself about the results because I knew that abracadabra was going to happen. So I, I expected the same thing because, as far as I can see, this is really Tinubu's election. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. Tinubu could see that if he loses this, then there's question marks over his 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 claim to the throne. I mean, his because, continued relevance as a so-called powerhouse, for example, you know? Yes, because, you know, even within the APC, some of the younger princelings are already telling Buhari, we don't understand why we need this dude. So, well, I think, I think the, older, the older guys understand that if anything, he's done, or pretty much done, but for appearance's sake, they need him for 2015, uh, 2019, and after that, he can be tough. Yes, so Tinubu, this was this is an, a huge ego battle. If he loses Oshun, then it's because the two states that were that were really loyal to him were Oshun and, uh, Oshun and Lagos. Well, the others were more sort of peripheral. Mm. He lost uh, Ondo. I mean, I think people don't realize that he yeah. actually lost Ondo, and the 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 governor there is not one of these uh, agidi action loudmouth type. And he's not he's not a fire shit type. Otherwise, he would rub it in. Yes. You know, yeah. So yes, no, I carried a loop. Used to be a loyalist, but isn't anymore. No. And uh, there was an interview that uh, uh, Moise Banire. Uh, I just finished day. reading that before I set this up. I was like, ouch. Yeah. <laughs> I read that early this morning. Ouch. And I saw from him because you see what Moise said, which is he used to be loyal to Tinubu, but Tinubu these days. <laughs> oh, excuse me. So it doesn't seem to uh, want people who can give. <laughs> oh, sorry. What's happening? Yes. Is the spirit of Tinubu battling you? I'm wondering. <laughs> yes, but he, he thinks uh, he's a Tinubu doesn't like people who can uh, challenge him. Mm. That's it. <laughs> oh, sorry. Michael, you better yes. apologize. Your enemies. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know what's happening. But yes. <laughs> so, it's, it's quite uh, interesting. And I'm part of me is, is, is happy as well because even states like Kano, who people say, oh, he's not as economically developed as uh, Lagos. Kano has had competitive uh, exactly. government elections exactly. since 1999. Exactly. So I'm surprised that a so-called sophisticated state like Lagos would just have one party running rings. Not one party. No, 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 not one party. One man. There's yes, a, there's a massive one difference. One party. There is a difference between, well, I suppose party in a proper term, but not political party. It's just yeah. one man. And... and Listen, it's not... In fact, let's introduce this topic properly. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pokemon and Flat series with me, Afro7, and my usual political guest and, 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 and competitor, Michael, yes. also known Hello. also known as Nigeria's Best. Um, we are here, as usual, to dissect the latest shenanigans on the Nigerian political scene. And, you know, we have a lot to talk about. It's been a while since we uh, got together. And oh, yes. Um, yes, a lot has been happening. So since we last spoke, Bokola Saraki had declared his uh, ambitions to contest on the platform of the PDP for the presidency. Um, we have a declaration by David Mark. Um, we had, what else did we have? We had the resignation of the erstwhile Minister for Finance, uh, Kenya Adeoshun. Yeah, uh, Gates. Yeah, precisely. We have we also had the revelation that another minister did not do his <laughs> national youth service, and he's been quite combative about it. 
we have had the the elections in Ocean State, the results of which were announced today. Inconclusive. It was inconclusive. So quite a few things. Oh, we have had the the very very public and ominous falling out of the Lagos State Godfather and his sugar baby. Uh, Governor Ambodi of Lagos, and uh, which is what we were just discussing before. So a lot of things have happened that we should really ideally touch on, some in more detail than others. So please stick with us. We are glad to have you for another week of the Pokey London Flat Series featuring Michael. All right, Michael, that's a long rundown of the things uh, we need to quickly go through before we really go. I, I want us to talk about Lagos in depth. All right, yeah. so let's save that to the last. Let's start with... Uh, Bokola Saraki's declaration. What do you make well, of this? I've been reading your tweets, and to be honest, I've been trying to gauge your temperature on, on, on this matter. And I don't know, I find you to be a bit all over the place on it. Please disabuse me of this notion that you're hedging your bets where Saraki is concerned. Well, I'm not, I'm not hedging. Um, my view is, I think we've, we've discussed this previously on the show. My view is the first standard is always who is the better candidate. Mm. So, if Saraki is running against uh, uh, Buhari, mm. in my opinion, it's a no-brainer. Saraki should win because mm. he has a better understanding of the issues. He's more pro-business. He'll be better for the economy, better on every front. Because, quite frankly, Buhari's performance has been totally shambolic. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the basic of things, he, he's not even doing. I mean, there's been a flood in some parts of the country, and it's the vice president who is visiting. It's almost as if Buhari is now an emperor and well, yeah. Banjo, <laughs> prime minister that does all the work. Basically. When this, these are the very things the president is supposed to be doing. Right. So on that front, it goes without saying that Saraki deserves to be president if he's running against Buhari. But my own opinion, and this is where there's some disagreement between myself and the other uh, many supporters of Saraki, which is the mistake that was made in 2015 mm-hmm. was that the candidate Buhari was not sufficiently scrutinized and people did not ask serious questions and put him under pressure. And because Buhari was not put under pressure by his supporters during the campaign, mm-hmm. he came into office almost feeling like some kind of messiah who, mm-hmm. who Nigeria owed uh, thanks and praise as opposed to coming to work for the people. And my point to on the Saraki issue is this. Uh, firstly, if there's any blame that you can attribute to Buhari, Mm-hmm. Saraki needs to take a share of it because all these things that we're seeing about Buhari were things that were obvious even before the election. So you can't be this intelligent and have brought this man. I mean, Saraki spent so many, so much time with Buhari, not just in Nigeria, but even in England. Okay, so you wait, can't pause, say... pause, just to ask you, what was the fallout between Saraki and APC prior to the 2015 election, and the PDP rather, prior to the 2015 election? Well, the, the key issue obviously is uh, Saraki's presidential or was Saraki's presidential ambition. In 2015? Yes. Okay. So the, the, they claim and they're probably telling the truth that there was an agreement that Jonathan would do one term mm-hmm. and then he would return power to the north. So you had many northern prince prince politicians like Saraki, like Kwankwaso and Ko who were expecting that Jonathan would, would stand down and then they would get the chance to replace him. Because this Saraki is very ambitious. Right from the time he was governor for, on his second term, he was already planning, hoping to replace Yaradua. So the moment they saw that 
Jonathan wasn't going to give way uh, for them or to them. They set out to sort of dismantle okay, his presidency. Okay, so that, that, in your opinion, was the fallout with uh, Air, uh, Jonathan in 2015, yes? Yes. Would you say that the fallout with Buhari is different? Well, the Sarkis still has the ambition. The problem with Buhari is... No, we know the problem with Buhari. We have talked yes. about it for months and months. I'm talking about Saraki now, Saraki himself. Look, I, I think this this one is, is slightly different. I mm-hmm. think, in my objective opinion, I think once he lost out to uh, Buhari, or once the ABC picked Buhari as their candidate, Saraki was content to be Senate president. Mm-hmm. That was that was now his new goal. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the problem began when Buhari having gotten the presidency, was now obsessed with ensuring that Saraki did not get the Senate presidency. Do you think um, Do you think Buhari was concerned about that one way or the other? I, I think that was probably more of a Tinubu obsession, no? No, Saraki, too, I mean, Buhari too, didn't want it. Because okay, okay. people in his camp know Saraki. Saraki is, the, is everything a Nigerian politician or a Nigerian godfather dreads. Okay. He's very intelligent, he's very confident, self-confident. He's not the kind of person you can tell, go and do this, go and do that. Okay. So he's a, he's a threat to any old school politician. So they didn't want that. And because of the way they, they went after his wife, they began to investigate his finances, both locally and internationally. Okay. Okay. They, they literally made it plain to him that... Look, All right, so essentially the, the Buhari administration, threatened by his potential ambitions or his obvious ambitions, right? took it a step further. I mean, Jonathan was pretty much like, you know what, carry your wahala and go, to be honest, to a lot yep. of these guys. And, um, I mean, like I always say to people, Jonathan's disposition was probably too gentle for the post. You know, a gentle guy, whatever. No, his, I think it was his, the right, it was the right uh, No, it was, it was, it was the right disposition, but I don't think that it, given, given that he was the first real Nigerian president, I don't think it was the right disposition. I mean, I think you, you always want a gentleman president. You want somebody who doesn't think that their word is law and only they yeah. know every and anything. Do you understand? So on that front, it was perfect. I mean, I think if, we, if, we, if we'd had democracy up until the point where he became the president, then he wouldn't need to be any other way but the way he really is. But like I said, given that he was the first real Nigerian president, he needed to be a bit more, you know, show a few more people some things. But anyway, that's that's well, ne- that's neither here nor there. The point I'm just trying to make is the underlying cause of Saraki's hopping about, because, I mean, Atiku has an unfair label of changing parties here and there. Saraki, this is probably his fourth or fifth time changing parties as well, right? And for some strange reason, that label hasn't stuck to him. And the reason, the reason he's always leaving parties is to further his own ambitions. There is nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that yeah. for some strange reason he's managed to avoid being tarnished by this. No, I think he's he's only he when he ran for governor he was PDP uh, in in 2003. So his first jump was to this APC movement. There was a yeah, time he was AMPP. No, when he was when he, his first political appointment was actually under Basanjo and he was. Okay, but this is that was PDP. He left PDP to AMPP. If my memory serves me, no, he never did that. That's his father. Let me check. Let me check. check. Are you sure? Yeah, his father was the one that was AP. uh, That party was actually called A. I think it was AP. Okay. Okay. 
I mean, if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, I do stand corrected. Apologies. Yes. I'm, I'm not well, he was, his, his father you're talking about. His father was the one that moved to PDP. And then that's when Saraki came into politics. Okay. All right. Well, so then I, I stand corrected on that. Apologies. So the, the I, I, why I disagree is this wasn't about his ambition. He was mm-hmm. content to be Senate president. Mm-hmm. But the issue is, like in British politics, in the Tory party, you have ambitious people, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean you drive them out of the party or you start using the police to chase them about. You just have to accept that, okay, look, we're all politicians. And the, the truth is, anybody in politics believes they should be president. So you just have to be, find a way within your party to manage people. And as I said before in previous interviews, Buhari's problem is he, he, didn't, he doesn't know how to manage people in, in a democratic setting. Mm-hmm. So rather than work with Saraki, he set out to make Saraki his enemy. Okay. Once you hound his wife, that's the end, you know. I mean, I mean, look, I want us to discuss this from Saraki's um, view, not from Buhari's, because I feel like yeah. Buhari, there's only so much we can say. We've said it all about the guy, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Let's, let's discuss this from the other people's point of view. Yeah, so basically, you you reckon that the fallout from the from the Senate presidential uh, election was yeah. the beginning of the end, essentially for his continued stance and membership of the APC. I'm, yeah. I I I I'm 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 minded to agree with that. All right, fine. So he's declared that he wants to run for the presidency. I mean, to to be honest, in the beginning, I thought he was a bit of a joke. You know, I thought he was probably seat warming for Atiku. Um, yeah. I thought he was seat warming for Atiku because. I am not sure that, and again, I have no proof, guys. When I don't have proof, I'll tell you. I think about a lot of these machinations in my head and trying to and try to guess where I think these guys are angling for. Okay, so yes. I think he would rather, and this might be very silly, he would rather an for one term, and then gamble that he can he can replace Atiku, right? But how that, what I haven't really thought about in my head is how that will play out because he's positioning himself as somebody from the north. Now, I don't think that to southern Nigerians, north central is that different from northeast or northwest. Do you see what no. I'm saying? No, or middle belt, so. the middle belt, I should say. No, because uh, you had Gawan who was a leader of Nigeria. Yes, Nigeria. but you know, that was then. That was then. Nigeria is not like that now. No, I don't think the, the South fully understands that these are middle belt people. I think the real issue is whether the Northwest will accept Aha. that the North Central is North. North, yes, precisely. Yes. Okay. So, so it's more of a Northern question as opposed to a, a Southern, southern question. question. Okay, fine. Yeah. So, so, but uh, Saraki's run to you, is it a serious and is it a genuine one or is it a cover for something else? No, no, no. I think it's serious. In, in many ways, I was, I was saying this on, on Twitter a few times that. In terms of competence, education, backstory, the the best candidate for the presidency is actually Saraki. His real problem is there have been many times over the years where he's had to make decisions, and every single time he's made a selfish decision as opposed to a national interest type of decision. But in terms of competence, I have no doubt that his story, his CV is fantastic, and Saraki reminds me in many respects of people like uh, David Cameron or Tony Blair, who, when they were running, people were asking, or even Obama, people said, look, is it time for you to run? Well, Saraki is the kind that once he sees an opportunity, he goes for it. And I think he knows, and I agree with him, that this is his best chance to be president. Because the, the Northern president only has to do one term and then pass it down to the South. 
And after two years of a southerner, Saki will be old and he'll be out of the game. Mm. So if he's ever going to do it, now is the time. And I can see that I he's spotted an opportunity. Because mm, I think I agree now, yeah. Yes, that, that harassment that the DSS did plus Buhari's own uh, harassment has made mm. Saraki a, a, a folk hero. And he can and he's looking at Buhari's performance and just thinking, this this dude is shambolic, so it means I, I can do it. I mean, and the inability, and I think this plagues a lot of executives in Nigeria. So not all of them, but a lot of them, um, where they, for good or ill, you know, whether they're lying or telling the truth, they are unable to weave a story. You know, yes. they're unable to sell a narrative. The narrative is always easier for the opposition to weave. I don't, I don't really know why that is, because I think Buhari's narrative has been has been largely shambolic. I mean, you have people who will support him regardless, right? But for people yeah. who are hedging, people who are unimpressed by him, there isn't much that he can sell them to change the feeling. I think I said this to you when we were discussing um, post-Jonathan, we were discussing, you know, feelings and things that went into the election. I largely feel that politics is a feeling, you know, and I think Nigerians are very, are very tolerant. Like if they feel that you're doing something, if they feel you, you will largely they will they will give you the benefit of the doubt but once you lose for whatever reason you lose that feeling it is hard to get it back i, I mean i feel that in the south bahari has largely lost that feeling in the in the in the middle belt a lot of people went against their own better instincts and gave him the opportunity he's totally lost them so yeah saraki definitely has a play with those people but yeah. i'm i'm not convinced by him personally but that's my own personal feeling I'm not convinced by the fellow. Um, I don't think he means well, but that—that's—that's—that's well, that's, no, that's once again I, my own personal feeling. Well, I—I I don't. I'm not. I think in obviously, like I said in 2015, it's not really about our personal feelings about someone, or it shouldn't be. Our voting choice should be on cold, hard calculations. So, okay, look, I don't particularly like this guy. I mean, Bill Clinton is not a particularly likable person in many respects. All the stuff we say about women's rights and all that. Bill Clinton yes, yes. did a lot of stuff. But people could see that. Yeah, but it was a different time. I don't think people were all that concerned. Or at least no. women's rights weren't as, weren't as on the front burner then as they are now. A Bill Clinton would never win the presidency now, right? But on a Democratic quickly, Party ticket. On a Democratic Party ticket. Well, I don't, know I don't, I don't think so. Because look at uh, someone like Joe Biden. Joe Biden too has his own con- controversies. But when you can sell people a bigger picture beyond okay what is the what is the bigger picture in your opinion that saraki is selling to nigerians and don't okay if you can tell me about he himself yeah i know i know it's important to juxtapose him to the incumbent because that's who he's trying to take over from obviously but say you were a member of saraki's campaign sell him sell him act like you're you're his supporter and you want to vote for him sell him to nigerians on his own merit on his own merit it's easy the first thing is you want a leader who is articulate and intelligent. And you just need to spend one minute listening to a Saraki video, and you can see that this dude is articulate and intelligent. The second thing you need is someone who you have confidence that when he's engaging with the international players, you can look on TV and, and be proud to say, yes, this dude is my president. He's not going to make any of those types of gaffes he used to say Buhari or Jonathan used to make. And Saraki, obviously, having schooled in the best schools in Nigeria and in England, when he talks, you can tell that he can sit in a room with David Cameron, Obama, or anybody and have a meaningful and fruitful conversation. So on that front, Saraki is solid. When you talk about the economic policies that Nigeria needs, he's pro-small government and pro-business. So 
investors will not have any doubts about saying, look, this man is the man we need in, in power because we know that just his presence alone and the policies you're bringing will attract foreign direct investments. They were talking about unity, unity of the, of the country. One of the brilliant things he did as Senate president was at the time when Southerners were complaining that Buhari had just basically put Northerners in all the key positions. So he reached out and appointed a PDP Igbo man as his deputy Senate president. Well, to and be fair, Ike Ekweramadi was already occupying the seat. No, at, at the time, the deputy said, David, okay, David Mark was Senate president, Ike was deputy, but he didn't have to take Ike. So, well, it worked out now. Wait, 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 wait. It is not what, how does the saying go? It is not, it is not for the, for the providence or something that the baker breaks the bread. It, it's not because Saraki so loves the unity of Nigeria that he kept Ike Kuramad. It was a deal to ensure that he won the seat himself. Well, the point is, he could have done, <laughs> the variety, he could have done a variety of deals. So he, he didn't could've. have to reach out to, because even within the, the APC, there were many people that wanted Saraki. In fact, a lot of the APC that are fighting him now were fighting him on the basis that he didn't choose a deputy from amongst the ranks. So, and he's gone beyond that, not just picking the Senate president. You've seen the way he's reached out to the southeast and the south south. He's always he travels to those regions. Buhari has not been to many right. of those states. Okay, okay. Yeah. Because I'm determined to not speak about Buhari. Like I've, yeah. I feel like I've had enough for the fellow. Let's juxtapose yeah. Saraki with Atiku. Well, Atiku too. Atiku's uh, first. The first thing you can sell about Atiku is also he's also very pro business and pro investment. In fact, when Obasanjo was president, many of the people in the economic team were people that Atiku introduced to Obasanjo. So Atiku has pro-business credentials. Atiku is also a proper nationalist. He has friends from across the country. So we're not going to ever worry that uh, he's going to go to uh, Adamawa and bring all the people from there. Mm. And then you can even see it in his in his, in his own personal life. I know uh, Buhari lies that he has Igbo in-laws, but the thing is, Atiku you know, I has... think I think it was the party people... Buhari doesn't give a damn to lie about what he has and what he doesn't have. He will just go there and okay. say what he likes. He's so convinced of his own messianic qualities that he doesn't he doesn't need to tell those lies. It was his people. Yeah. Okay, yeah, people lied. But in Atiku's case, his wife, when he was uh, vice president, was Titi Abubakar, who is actually from Ilesha or from State. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, he has another wife, Jennifer, who is Igbo. Igbo, yeah? Yeah, and he has his, his Igbo, first wife. not Igbo. Igbo yeah, Igbo. Mm-hmm. I, I'm uh, sorry. But yes, and the, the first wife, who is from Adamawa, so... Everything about Atiku says nationalist. There's nobody that can say can accuse Atiku or. That's correct. Or I agree. I mean, I'm, I, I like. I have to be honest. I am partial to Atiku. I'm partial to Atiku because I think he can evidence a lot of the things that he says. You know, so yeah. I'm partial. So the, to the only, no, uh, the only, the, the only place where Atiku does not trump Saraki is in terms of being articulate and, and sounding like someone who can hold their own. I agree. So with his, that too. his Twitter persona is good. But when you hear yeah, he, Atiku speak one, he, one, hired, one, he hired the right people for that. Yes. Yes. Which is not necessarily a bad thing because no, like Jonathan, not. Jonathan was not very articulate, but he had key ministers like Okonjo Weala, uh, Mobola Johnson and a few other people. He wasn't he articulate in the sense that Jonathan that is, because I mean yeah. I think I listened to him post the elections. He's the kind of man that could talk at length about things that really immediately interest him. But yeah. if, if they don't, then he's like, Well, you know. Yeah. Mm. So Atiku is not doesn't have the X factor that mm. Saraki. I, mm-hmm. I call it the X factor. Saraki has the X factor, and then when you look at their their wives as well. Uh, okay, Toy so Saraki, Toy Saraki is a woman that I am partial to. 
I yeah. like Doreen Saraki, but I do not like Nicola Saraki. That's that's the look for me. For me personally, I mean, I, I think you do a good job of selling him. I'm trying to be as unbiased as possible here. I've already made it clear that I I don't I don't have any good vibes towards Saraki himself. However, it's 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 about a bigger picture, like you said. The bigger picture for me is departing from the old political class totally. And you know who I'm supporting, Kingsley Mohali. But that's that's uh, by the by. I like Tony Saraki. I think I'd be proud to have her as a first lady. If only her husband was someone else. <laughs> no, no, for, for me at this stage. Well, I, I understand you don't you don't you don't like him. But my view is in politics, it's not about who I like or who I don't like. Even there are many of the, the Tory candidates I vote for who I don't particularly like. I've met a few of them. I don't like them, but I understand that. No, I think liking a candidate is very important. I, I think I think being at our level and permit me to be a bit, you know. At our level, we can make these decisions. We can say, okay, we don't like them. But when you're talking about the general population, the masses out here, I think they, yeah. they need to they need to feel the person. They need to feel like he understands them. They need to feel some sort of warmth towards the person they vote for. Um, so I do think liking him or not liking him is important because how many people on the streets can tell you about Saraki's policy? What they can tell you is the opinion of the man himself. Yes, right? well, many, of them, many of them have a good opinion of him. People in Quara, he did a, he did a good job as governor of our state. So that that is not even in, in question. He was a good governor. So I might not personally warm to him, but at the end of the day, I will okay. not cut off my nose to spike my face. All right, so you think Saraki is a serious candidate for the PDP. So let's, I mean, we spent a lot of time on him already. So let's quickly just round up on all the other guys. I mean, there's beef between Kwan Kwan So and what's the other fellow called? Check her out. Check her out. Left. He's oh, okay. He's left the PDP. Yeah. That's fine. Um, there's the you know there's still the battle for supremacy in Kano, which might affect Kwanfanso's chances. There's Tamboa. I yeah. I don't know to take him very seriously. There's David Mark. I don't see the point of him running. His his uh, declaration got no traction whatsoever, which is quite surprising. Um, there is also who else? Who else? Who else? There's 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 uh, there's someone else I'm forgetting. There's McCarthy. There's McCarthy. There's the 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 darling, the erstwhile darling of the of PDP Twitter, Dakombo. So yeah. there are these guys. Um, what are their chances? Who do you think is best placed to win the ticket? And don't I know from what you said so far, I can tell that you're kind of partial to the Saraki, but look at it coldly. Who do you think is best placed to get the oh, ticket? I'm, I'm not partial to Saraki. Uh, the truth of the matter is. It depends how the PDP chooses to play it. If you're looking mm-hmm. at the historical basis, the godfathers of the PDP have always settled for the person they thought was the most, uh, trying to find the right, controllable. Mm. And Saraki being very self-confident and independent is not someone who people like, I can't imagine someone like Obasanjo wanting a Saraki, they want someone who they feel they can all talk to and will listen to them. Mm. So if if it was on that basis, my suspicion is they'd go for a candidate like Dan Kwambo or even Tambo Wow, because Tambo Wow feels to them like, oh, he's a young, young in quotations, a young boy. He will listen to what if I told him. So that's what Bassinger's main thing. Bassinger mm-hmm. wants someone who, whatever time of the day he tells you, you answer. So they might, they might go for that. But if on the other hand, I can, I can sense that a power shift is taking place where the old guard, i.e. the OBJ and co gradually being pushed out. And if that continues, then I think the battle is probably a three-way race between Atiku, Saraki, and Kwan Kwaso. Okay, all right. So now let's move on. Um, may the best man win. Let's, yes. m- <laughs> let's move on to uh, Adi Oshun. 
So in the in the past fortnight or so, the minister resigned her post, and in her resignation letter, she said she was unaware that well, she procured her certificate through some people, and I think she was unaware, according to her, of the legalities or illegalities of that process. Um, hitherto being appointed to a political post in Nigeria, she had no Nigerian citizenship or no active Nigerian citizenship, and she'd never applied for a passport. So, but at the time of her graduation, I think when she left uni at 22 or so, she was not Nigerian, she was British. Um, but I mean, look, this is this is after the fact. The fact is, the process by which she acquired her certificate was abnormal and illegal. And as a yeah. result, she resigned. Now, I think for me, this brought to bear a lot of other questions. Um, so I have siblings, for example, now who, who don't own Nigerian passports, who were born here, raised here, um, been to school here, all that. And so, I mean, it's it's quite shocking for me to discover that the Nigerian pass, the Nigerian Nigerian citizenship, is automatic. Like you don't, you're not required to actively acquire it, so to speak, if you were not born in the country. So, by virtue of having Nigerian grandparents or parent, you're automatically yeah. Nigerian, which is really strange for me. Well, so, to be to be honest, I. I, I don't think it's that of a major issue. I don't know why people are making a big issue out of it. I think, well, various countries have their various ways of uh, establishing citizenship. It doesn't place any obligation on you. So, for example, yes, the Nigerian state says if both your parents are Nigerian and you're born abroad, you're still Nigerian. I think it would be a bigger issue if they said, based on that, you have to be paying tax of some sort. Then I can see why some people get angry and say, well, wasn't born in Nigeria. How can you just impose? Well, the national service is the national service is an obligation that's been imposed on you, whether you're actively Nigerian or not. If you want no, to it, serve the country, that's really yes. strange. So, so that's different. If you're saying because that's now you taking no, 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 but then, but okay, even if you want to be employed by private a private entity in Nigeria, you can't do that unless it's your own company. If you don't have your NYC certificate, well, but but that's the I think that the. There's a contradiction there because on the one hand you're saying I want to stay in England and not have to have any obligations. So that's fine. But if you're saying you now want to move to Nigeria, well there are two options. You can either come in and work as an expatriate. And if you work as an expatriate, then yes, you don't need to do the NYC, you just come in with your British passport or your American passport. But if you're saying I want to come in here and work as a local Nigerian, then you're you're you are the one now taking the step to identify with your Nigerian heritage. If you say you want to run for office, well, Michael, do you do you think, and moving away from Adiosha specifically now, do you yeah. think that's right? Well, I, I I don't see I don't support the I don't agree with the NYC. I think there's better ways to do it. However, if that is the way it's done, if if the NYC is something that's compulsory, like you're doing in South Korea and in Israel, national and service, yeah, national service. But yes. I mean, but that's not predicated. Okay, fine. I I see where you're going with this, but that's not predicated on on getting a university degree though. That's well, just if you okay, fine. At the point of you acquiring your Nigerian citizenship, yeah, and you have to do a national service. That's fine. That's the same playing. That's the same playing field for everybody, right? But if you don't go to university in Nigeria, you're not required to do the national service. That's not fair. Well, it's I I, it's it's our policy making. I think at the time, their main concern was graduates were going to be the leaders of the nation in every sphere of society. So what could we do to make sure that these graduates 
got off as much exposure to most of the country as possible. Mm. And NYC was the aim, in their view, was the way to do it. I don't necessarily think that that's the only way to do it, but if that's the rule they've chosen, I don't see how uh, Kemi had been unfairly treated. No, I don't. I don't think she was unfairly treated. I think the law is unfair, but like we said, the law is the law. Yes, and to be fair, I, I, I might be wrong, but I don't hundred percent believe her story. I don't. I, I don't believe her story. It's, it's nonsense. Yes. <laughs> like, I, is she is she supposed to not have known that the certificate was irregular? Like, are yeah. you being serious? No, 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 no. I don't. I don't buy her story at all. But I feel. I think that the situation is really an anomalous one. Like, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. I think that the NYC law needs to be looked at because there are rumblings now that Saraki himself didn't do his his NYC. There, well, there are no rumblings because he confirmed it himself that another minister in, in Buhari's cabinet didn't do his NYC. And it's strange to me because how did they pass that DSS, so-called DSS screening? Well, that's the... For me, it's not surprising. The Saraki one, this, this is not the first time they raised this. They raised this sometime in 2003 when it was first running. And he provided evidence then that it was all lies. So okay. I don't know why they produced they pulled this story up again. Okay. For for the other dude, Shitu. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I can say is, it's, it's, it strikes me as the DSS must have known. But the real question is, we've seen from Buhari's character that he only acts when he goes against his opponents. When he favors him, he doesn't do anything. So I'm sure they must have all known that, look, this good dude has not done it. Well, so Chitu was an appointee to placate an extreme Muslim whatever thingy in the Southwest. Yes. So I think that's prob- that probably has a bearing on it. Yes, so he's a Buhari ally. But the real question is, you know, he's falling out with uh, Ajimobi, governor mm-hmm. of your state. Mm-hmm. And he wants to be governor. He so was I hoping to why, replace him, yeah. So I can see why people in the governor's camp, or that's in Tinubu's camp, would now be willing to leak this information because the same thing with Ade Oshun, this thing had been known. So the question is, why did Saudi now put it out? I mean, because I I think what really pains me most about the Ade Oshun story was the idea that she was being blackmailed for it. Well, that's what I'm saying. Her story does not add up because her letter to Buhari said, "I've only just discovered that this thing was fake." Mm. Well, you've been you've been you've been paying. You've, you've no, been no, blackmailed no, no, for no, 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 no. I I think I think her letter was a little bit misunderstood. Her conclusion, her, her letter was referring to the conclusion of the panel because it was a panel set up to investigate the, the whatever. So she's saying as a, she's only just discovered as in the panel has just decided. That well, the, if, but, but that's what I'm saying. The story doesn't make any sense. It still doesn't so, make sense, Shah, because she was paying for it. So if yeah, she so thought it was real, why was she paying for it? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> so you pay. Yeah, it, it's, it's all very disgusting. I mean, frankly, I think, and You've just spoken on the history of the NYC, and I still think it's an okey-doke played mostly on Southerners. And a lot of people will disagree with me on this because, well, they will disagree because I want to disagree. But even at the time it was enacted, most people going to unis were still from the South, okay? And now yeah. you have a situation whereby a Southerner, a lot, mostly Southerners, require a year from their lives to go and do the NYC. Meanwhile, their Northern counterparts can start their own journeys on their political careers or their government careers or whatever. The NYC has long outlived its purpose. If you want national unity, you need to provide national crossroad services. You need to remove this r- ridiculous requirement for state of origin. Give people the same rights to move anywhere across the country and have and enjoy the same rights, no matter where they are, so long as they are 
a Nigerian citizen and or legally resident in the country. So you can't on the one hand have an NYC whose aim is to foster national unity and on the other hand have a sub-identity such as your state of origin or, or whatever and tell me that you're trying to foster national unity. It doesn't make sense. The NYC is very, very, very expensive and the budget of the NYC is larger than the capital budget for education. How does that make any sense? Well, the, I, I agree that the NYC is expensive and ineffective in achieving what it's trying to achieve. But at the end of the day, these were the reasons why we hoped that, or we hope change will come. But it's not going to be easy. But I, I, my, my, my hope is that with the, with the fiscal crisis that Nigeria is going to face in the next few years, we're going to have to start asking serious questions as to why we need some of the things that we need. I mean, if the issue is unity, then yes, I don't know if you... You probably didn't attend any, but there were unity schools in Nigeria that could do the same thing. I, for example, I went to an F Nigerian Air Force boarding school for secondary school in Nigeria. Oh, really? So did my friend. Oh, yes. I mean, mine was in Ibadan. And we had people from all, all across the country. There were boys from Kano, there were boys from Lagos, all over the country. So I made a, a, a variety of, of friendships. Exactly. Same, same thing in my primary school as well. There were from all over so there's, there's various ways to achieve this thing but i think the nyc is an expensive and effect, ineffective way of doing it so that okay. that's the kind of thinking I'm, I'm expecting from the our future presidents or future senators they need to be asking hard questions i mean i think the hardest question of all is shrinking the the staff the civil service i think it's uh, i mean it, it's it's gainsaying at this point to say it's it's bloated it's ridiculously bloated it's serving as a form of social welfare and our bill i mean did you see uh, budget it they released uh, a summation of nigeria's earnings incomings and outgoings yes. even our earnings from oil is not enough to feed and service the nation not to, well, not to even talk of capital development um costs we're talking about just recurrent expenditure what we are well, making is not enough to fund recurrent that's crazy well it's, 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 it's no surprise because you have an economy that is not growing at the rate it should grow and then you have a Boko Haram insurgency that and you have the subsidy regime that is yes. indeterminate because we don't know how much it costs we don't know how much oil we're consuming we don't they don't they won't even admit that there's a subsidy in place it's such yes. a mess what, what, what they're going to have to do, in, in my view, the civil service is, is a political question. Because the real, the first of all, we're going to have to restructure the nation to take power away from the government and put it in the hands of individuals. And I think once you've restructured the country, it's now easier to tackle the civil service problem. Because if you don't restructure, even if you fire half the civil service, the person that replaces you will rehire them. Mm-hmm. Because it's a political welfare system. That's what it really is. Yeah. So everybody from an ethnic group feels entitled to. I mean, have randomly, Nigeria has two different space agencies. <laughs> or is it three? Or is it three? Um, well, like, I, I don't know the number, but yes, it's just it's a welfare system. It's a way of uh, placate, placating various ethnic uh, groups. That's why you have various government departments where there's a director general, permanent secretary. Who cannot discipline certain employees because they are there representing yes, somebody's yes. slot. Yes, 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 yes. yes. It's so, man, when I saw that report by budget, I was I was really, really taken aback. You know, and, and to think that all prices had some somewhat rebounded from when this fellow came into office, yet our, our budget, our debt profile is growing 
and our incomings are reducing or have been static at the very best. It's it's really concerning. And and the thing is, yeah. the thing is now, you have a you have a large population in the ND who have been yeah. denied opportunities and who are being bribed not to ask for their rights. Okay, so you're when they sit down and they calculate which funds should go, and yeah. and they threaten to stop. I mean, personally, I don't agree with paying people to lay down their arms what i think should be addressed is the causes of their of their struggle in the first place okay yeah um but when they cut because inevitably they will they something has to go when these boys get restive again well then we're gonna have real problems because i mean today the bbc is reporting a, a large a large a kidnapping off the coast of the niger again today oh yes so so it's it's we we are we are we are storing trouble for the next for the next uh, uh, administration. Boko Haram is also getting braver and bolder. Things are really cooking, Michael. It's not looking good at all. And I think all the things, for me personally, all the things that made me feel like Jonathan has to go are present now and in some instances even worse. No, they're all worse because even the subsidy figures, they've, they've at least under Jonathan, after the outcry, there was a public auditing system of subsidy, mm-hmm. and you submitted a budget to the Senate. They approved it, but now Buhari and uh, Usimanjo said there's no. Usimanjo actually said we've cancelled the subsidy. Meanwhile, they changed it and called it on the recovery. recovery. <laughs> and the NFPC doesn't even explain to anybody how what it arrived it is, at yeah. the figures. So, in many respects, the corruption has just gone through the roof. It wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, I, I think yeah. it's obvious that the NFPC now is a conduit for extreme money laundering whether it's to further Buhari's uh, next next term or it's just to ensure that certain godfathers keep their palms greased or whatever have you but yeah. things things are really bad they're really really bad and i think it behooves nigerians to avail themselves of the facts and understand that this isn't just a matter of at least nigerians who have access to information this isn't just a matter of oh they don't like Buhari or corruption is fighting back the fellow is incompetent his government is incompetent and he has put Nigeria in a much worse off position than we were. I mean, these are the facts. These are the well, facts. And it's really troubling for me to find that the press, I mean, bar premium times, they try from time to time. The press is largely silent. Well, well, that's always been my issue because truth be told, I think Buhari is who he is. He's not going to change. Well, my issue has always been with, uh, I saw there was, a, there was a big debate, I think yesterday and the day before yesterday between that uh, the tech uh, uh, Ian Aboyeji and a few other people on Twitter mm-hmm. and, and these, these were the types of issues people were raising which is at the end of the day we need to start calling out or calling the names of people who are disappointing us rather than speaking in various parables so for example you start with the vice president he was one of the people that made people vote for Buhari because people thought that with yes. the vice president there mm-hmm. the rule of law I have to agree good. with you not just the rule of law the, yeah. the, the rule remaking the government in a way that a lot of Nigerians yearn for it to be remade. I mean, that's one of the, that's one of the birds that was sold to the people who supported the ABC. Yeah. Do you get me? I mean, given that in Lagos he had been fighting. I mean, look, I'm so disappointed in the vice president. I can't even begin to speak. Yeah. This is somebody so, who in Lagos was fighting. Pardon me to interrupt you. Sorry. This is somebody who in Lagos was fighting for devolution. Who was saying that states should be allowed to control the number of local governments they wanted when Obasanjo really fought against Lagos when Lagos was trying to, you know. Uh, peel off some of the responsibilities from the established local governments into new ones because they were too big. 
It made yeah. sense to me. He went all the way to the Supreme Court for this fight. Okay. When Lagos is struggling for more of its VAT, they went all the way to the Supreme Court for this fight. This is all about devolution and restructuring. Then you get to the post in Abuja and you're telling another story. Like, are you serious? What's this? Don't insult the electorate. I understand that the government doesn't support restructuring because they don't feel comfortable with it. But don't insult us. Don't yeah, insult us. I agree. And you see with restructuring, you see with human rights, we now have, it's now standard. I don't know if you saw that uh, executive order that Buhari signed a few months ago, entitling them to freeze people's accounts based on suspicious corruption. Just now, to mention that. Just mere suspicion. Yes, and they're misusing that. That journalist who was arrested, uh, Simon uh, Ogundikwe, mm. for premium time, they froze his account using that uh, uh, executive order as the legal justification. So they're doing it to a lot of people across the country. Yeah, then, once you speak out too much, that's going to be levied against you. You're, yes, you're, you're, you're corrupt, and they'll freeze your account. And so for me, I'm, I'm thinking, how can vice president be in this government then you have Oke Nelamba, who people knew as Mr. Trade, Mr. Investment. You've been there, and trade and investment have gone downhill. You have Udo Odoma, who people thought, okay, in charge of economic planning, the economy will grow, certain things will be done. None of those things are working. So my view has always been, well, you can say we're in government, getting a seat at the table, standing in the gap, or fighting. But if you cannot show results from your own sector, then what's the point? Then what are you doing there? What exactly. is the point? I mean, I just, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm wary because I've learned a lot from my behavior in 2015, where my passion just overrode a lot of common sense. I'm, I'm very wary of engaging. <laughs> I'm very wary of engaging a lot of people publicly. Yeah. I would rather go into their DM and speak to them, or wait till I meet them in person. Like a particular person is saying, is is better to have a seat at the table. But look at the IT sector. Where are the yeah. investments? What's the result? Are our kids learning coding? Yeah. Are, are, are young people making way in, in, in IT and, 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 and technology? Are they getting the support they need? Yeah. Are, are SMEs getting tax breaks? They need to hire more people to train more people. So what of what use is your seat at the table? What is it bringing to your well, own constituency who are young people? What are they getting for it? Well, that, that's always been my view because truth be told, every government will be a compromise. Mm -hmm. So even if I went to government... There's no perfect president. There but isn't. if I could say to the people that look up to me, I could say to them, look, Michael. This is, this is what my involvement has brought us. Yes, this is what I've achieved. Okay, I went in there for a dictator, but I served as minister for insurance, or minister for law, and this is what I've achieved. So you can say, okay, he's had to hold his nose, but he's done this for our industry. But these, these people can't show anything. So I'm just thinking, why are we deceiving ourselves? So we, we, have, to, we have to start telling the truth. Buhari is messing up, and he's been enabled by people who we looked up to. And thought will be the ones to hold him to account, but they are just sitting there enabling his bad behavior. Yeah, they are. They are. Now, let's move to Lagos. Um, as many of you know, I'm from Lagos, Lagos Island to be specific. Oh, yes. And <laughs> yes, oh, yes. <laughs> but um, recently, Lagos has been getting hot. The block is very, very hot in Lagos um, to start it off. I think it's best we start off in 2015. So, the end of last tenure, he Obviously, I mean, given that there was a massive falling out before he was allowed to proceed to serve his second term, <laughs> imagine that. Yeah. Um, it was always, you know, it was it was always uh, an issue. His succession was always an issue that he himself grappled with and he tried. And a lot of money. Michael, when I tell you, this is what I know. This is not conjecture. This is not guessing. An obscene amount of money was spent to try to append Tunumbu to get Fashola's, um 
candidate for tickets. Hashori. A lot of money was spent, Michael. And um, unfortunately for Hashola, he did not build the alliances we needed. He did not convince the relevant people that it was a worthwhile endeavor to defenestrate Tunubu, so to speak. So his yeah. candidate lost to Ambode. Now, Ambode had a problem. And his problem, and as you, we read uh, Moise Banre's article today in for, for the Times, or what, what's the paper called? Uh, this Day. This Day. Right, where he said what was apparent to a lot of people at the time, this guy has no idea of politics. He has no idea of policy. He had been uh, he'd been in local government, then elevated to the state accountant general, etc., etc. So Ambode was a glaring imposition. He was not even the kind of imposition where you had three people fighting for it. And he said, okay, the best amongst you step forward, and this is the person I'm going to support. He's like a rugby player being brought onto a football pitch, apparently, to hear Moise Benerad tell it. Yeah. So he was an imposition that a lot of people were not very happy with. Now, there is that. Fashala as well can be said to have been an imposition, right? Yeah, he but was. F- yeah, yes, he was. But the fellow used his first term to win over Lagosians, so to speak, and a lot of good marketing as well. Yeah. Ambode has done neither. You know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on uh, the timeline. Even people who are not really politically active, you know, these people don't really care one way or the other. They just want to eat and party. Yeah. They're complaining every day about the state of Lagos roads, the state of uh, no no lights on the roads, the, the roads being fixed and then degenerating within like weeks, weeks. And these are roads that once they're fixed, they erect massive plinths saying fixed courtesy of the excellency Lagos state governor, whatever. And the roads are falling apart in a matter of weeks as soon as rain touches them. Then you have the visionscape fiasco where... Uh, uh, Power was taken away from small and medium uh, waste collectors and centralized, but it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked at all. And then there are also, also um, internal party wranglings that I'm not particularly privy to that, that I suspect border on the sharing, in quotes, the sharing, to use a very colloquial term, the sharing of funds. Um, there was also the fiasco with, uh, with, with ABC. Is it ABC? Alpha Beta being designated yeah. by law as the only allowed revenue collector. And... To hear my, my inside sources tell it, the leaking of that information was done on purpose by, by people who opposed Tinubu on that front. So Ambode has by himself stored up a lot of trouble by virtue of being a godson who was maybe unwilling to play ball, stored up a lot of trouble. So the culmination of all this is that the godfather of the French road, Bordillion, Jagaban himself, <laughs> yeah. has withdrawn support from Ambode. Not he has not said this publicly, but everybody close to him and close to his inner circle and all fifty-seven uh, council council member leaders of Lagos State have publicly come publicly come out to support a hitherto unknown gentleman by the name of Sonwolu. What do you make of all this, Michael? Well, it's something I've always said, which is the truth is, Godfatherism is a pyramid scheme. Like MMM, and at some point it has to collapse because it, it, it doesn't work, it can't work because you can't just keep sharing money as, as soon as the base starts to grow, it gets to a point where there's not enough money to go around, and that's all that's basically happening. So, first of all, I must also say that uh, I'm also on, on an honorary Lagos negotiator because my, my adopted father is actually from Ekbeki, uh, because my fair boy is my adopted like yes, body. Yeah, <laughs> see, Amode is actually not from Lagos. Well, yeah. So, so I think the the key point is 
Pasola was lucky because this, these same things happened. People were not happy that Tinubu imposed Pasola. But Pasola's main advantage was as soon as he became governor, I don't know if you remember, but uh, Obasanjo had frozen access to Lagos State's money because he was fighting Tinubu. So just as Pasola became governor, Yaradua also became president. And Yaradua, as part of his rule of law agenda, released all that money back to Pasola. So, in Fashola's first term, he was—he had a huge windfall. It was over 50 billion, I think, that was returned to him in those days, 2007, because the government had unfrozen the money. So, he had a lot of money to build roads, do a variety of things, and that's what made him popular. His first term was very, was more effective than his second term. Now, the problem is, Tinubu was not happy with the amount of money that Fashola was uh, providing in dividends. Okay, hang on a second, please. Okay, sorry, proceed. We had a bit of audio issues that have since been ironed out. Proceed, please. Oh, so where was I before the... Um, Fashola got a windfall. His first term was more successful than his second term because of the windfall he got from Abuja. And oh, yes. He, he also had some of the same issues because it was not remitting enough funds back to the French road. Yes, yes. So he wasn't... Uh, the king in Bordelon wasn't happy with the amount of money Fashola was uh, remitting. So... When Ambode was chosen as the successor, Ambode understood that, look, if you want to keep this man happy, you have to play ball. Now, the problem with that was because Ambode was now feeding back more than what Tinubu was doing, it in effect meant that there was less money to do anything, to get any jobs done. So even if Ambode had to pick contractors, he would first of all have to pick contractors that Tinubu wants. Yes. If they don't do the job effectively, they cannot say anything to them because he knows those are Tinubu's uh, uh, loyalists. Mm-hmm. So he he himself was hamstrung by his decision to play loyal godson. So in a way, it's a bit duplicitous of Tinubu to now turn around and try to blame him for poor performance when the reason why his performance was poor was because he was trying to please you. And then the second issue is the economic downturn has meant that most states don't have as much money as they used to. Lagos in particular, because Lagos is not transparent about its finances, my suspicion, and from what I've heard from others, is the state does not have as much money as people think it does. No, that that one is for certain. Yes. So, you're paying back loads of debts. You're now also having to settle godfathers and their various uh, loyalists. Then, there's little money for infrastructure. So, this godfatherism thing is now becoming an albatross around the neck of any Lagos state governor. So I don't see how uh, Ambode could have done better than than he's doing with all these problems. So truth be told, I think all that, what needs to happen is this Godfather's own thing needs to die. Ideally, not by Sawo Olu replacing Ambode because it's going to be the same thing. It's even going to be worse this time. So I think an opposition party needs to win and a good candidate from the opposition party needs to win to dismantle this this whole uh, Godfather's own business. Mm. So... Here is my take. Uh, my take as a Lagosian in particular. I think Ambode is done as a candidate. I think even if the the situation on ground is not the same as it was in 2007 and again in 2011, all right? Um, I think Ambode is done as a candidate for the PDP, for the APC, for whatever he's done. Um, I, I, I heard it from very credible sources that it can be said 
that Agbaje actually won the 2015 elections. Now, I don't know how far true this is, but I, I, yeah, I, I, people said that. I I've told you that I was at the coalition center, at the coalition center uh, in 2015 for the governorship election, right? Yeah. The returns were coming in. There were large swathes of the state, Michael, where the APC at the time was recording zero, polling booth, zero, 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 coming in, coming in, coming in. And I was nervous, like, what's going on? Because I was supposed to anybody at the time. I was like, what's going on? No, like, okay, fine. These are like the non-Yoruba areas of Lagos. Now, the reason I say this is this, all right? People are far more interested in the finances of Lagos now than they were then. They are more interested in the idea that one man essentially governs the state and his say goes. They are more yes. interested in demanding representation, you know, represent yes. their own representation, not import, not imposed representation. And you can see that by the fact that PDP actually won some uh, um, house seats in Lagos to yes. the state assembly and to the federal assembly, right? Yeah. They are more interested in the idea of equity. Now, why I say Ambude is done, either as a candidate for the APC or for the PDP, is if the opposition wakes up and present a clear narrative to the people of Lagos. Yeah. And the vote is free and fair. This is also very important. I'm of the opinion, very strong opinion, that the APC will lose. In a free and fair election where the narrative is set, are we going to continue along this path of opacity? When money is made, we don't know how it's been spent. Somebody sits in his house, collects a, collects a very generous pension, being paid the same as if he's still a servant governor. And he gets to decide who spends the money who was appointed at every level. Yes. Do we want to continue like this? Or do we want a, a Lagos that's free and open and fair to everybody? Now, Ambode, if he, if somehow Tinubu forgives him and he's the APC candidate, it's obvious that he's had to make, make so concessions. many concessions that won't be for the benefit of the state. Do you see what I'm saying? So yes. when, when a so-called godfather comes out, in quotes, and undermines their sugar baby like this, and it's so obvious for everybody to see, to me, it's a wrap. It's a wrap for the candidate because your job is to represent the best interests of the people of the state, to provide services, to provide security, to provide a good a, a good, a term, a good term as a governor and to serve them as duly elected. Now, if the APC presents you, it's obvious who you're there to serve because you not only have the issue of being a sugar baby, you have the issue of constantly having a knife over your back because if you make a move that some people don't agree with there's a threat of impeachment well i think the no you're, you're right but the the challenge is as with every election most of the people who vote are not the middle class analysts like ourselves it's mainly the poor struggling pop populace and many of them tend to be more it's 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 they tend to be the votes tend to be bought or controlled by regional overlords now, the challenge for Lagos is, in 2015, the PDP was more united. Mm. And, and that's one of the reasons why uh, Tinubu was keen for Obani Koro to cross over to his side. Because Tinubu saw firsthand how Koro alone delivered thousands of votes that almost brought down his empire. His so, son, his son allegedly won as well and was denied. Yes, and was denied. So, Tinubu has now brought Koro into his camp. And that alone would divide the PDP's uh, figures on like the last time. And then the party doesn't appear united. So it's not clear that Body George is on the same page with a few other people in the party. 
I know recently the uh, former chairman has defected to APC. So the party doesn't seem to me but to the, be... But the APC itself is not united, Michael. So, I mean, I think I'm speaking as, as a strategist now. The APC yeah. itself is not united because if you think about it, Somolu would be another junior in position on them. Because you have Banire, you have Hamzat. Do you understand? People who yeah. feel like they have they have done their time. Then but, you the, but the question is, are those people going to be... Because these people you're talking about are very loyal to Buhari and APC. On the face of it, yes. Yeah, on, so the on, question on, is... On the face of it, um, Michael, because Fashala is also got a hand in this. Not publicly, but he's got a hand in all this. Now, yes, I don't uh, know. I don't know what his play will be in 2019 because obviously he also wants to protect his seats as a federal. Right? Yes. So you need to be. The question is, would they be willing to do a deal with PDP? They all have to work with PDP. Now the question, and Buhari is not going to have that because Buhari is not going to want PDP to win Lagos. And if Buhari finds that uh, Fashola Banire did a deal with PDP, then that could also damage their federal uh, appointments. But Michael, check this out. If Buhari, yeah, because it's in Buhari's interest to level Tinubu, right? If Buhari could be guaranteed, I mean, we're talking about Nigerian politics now, it's all so dirty and filthy. If Buhari could be guaranteed an opposition leader, an opposition victory, that would result in a, in a friendly Lagos state, a friendly Lagos state, right? Yes. That would achieve two things get rid of Tinubu, one, and two, ensure that Lagos does not continue to pose him a problem. Because if, just because somebody is PDP doesn't mean that they're going to automatically oppose oppose Buhari. Sure, you know. Especially if there's been a deal done to put them in place. And you can never guarantee that they will stay PDP. Well, but it's a, it's a two-way point because Tinubu too is not daft. If Tinubu sees that you want to trade away his governorship to get your presidency, that Tinubu too is not going to work for a Buhari president. You're over, and... but we've already agreed that this guy's powers are severely on the wane. Okay, Ogun is not in his catchment area no longer. Ondo no, is, Lagos... is not playing ball. As we're yeah. speaking, Oshun is not guaranteed, right? Oshun is not guaranteed. Oyo is doing his own thing. So they're not. These guys were not put there by virtue of Tinubu's power and and influence. They they fought for their own seats. Yes, but but Lagos. Even with all Tinubu's influence, Buhari won Lagos by a small margin. A very small margin. Yes. So if Tinubu decides to pull out and says, well, you want to do me governorship, I'm going to do you presidency, then it means Buhari will lose Lagos because he's not even particularly popular anymore anyway in the South. That's Buhari. very true. So Tinubu too will, will do his own thing. So it's a very yeah, delicate balance for Buhari. I see your point. But no, something has to happen in Lagos because Ambode is damaged goods. I mean, to be very honest, if I were him, I'd just gather the small dignity I have left and throw in the towel and just announce that I'm not running again come 2019 and just go hell for leather if I were him. I mean, I suppose it's easy for me to say they don't have my secrets in a cupboard somewhere in Bordillon, right? <laughs> so- <laughs> well, exactly. And that's assuming that uh, Ambode Am- has the dignity you're talking about. He doesn't. I mean, Michael, look at the videos that have been released. Like, I felt sick. Like, you're a man. You're, you're a father. You're a husband. How can you be selling yourself short publicly like this? It's disgusting. So it's a uh, for me. What my suspicion is, Ambody will get it. Would seek his revenge. So if Tinubu gives him a second term, Ambody will remember that humiliation, and it will make it harder for real peace to reign between them. So no, but remember, there's always a threat of impeachment. So Tinubu's power is not just 
just at the at the governorship's office in Alausa. Alausa is essentially controlled by Tinubu because he he oversees the appointment of every single assemblyman in oh, the, in the house. So if Amode does anyhow, he's gonna get impeached. What saved <laughs> what saved Fashola from being impeached is that he was genuinely popular with Lagosians. John yeah. Amode doesn't enjoy the same. Amode is well, not yeah. popular with Lagosians. I mean, I had a discussion with my one of my political Egbo uh, after two, 2015, and I said to him, I said, look. What are you going to do for the non-Yoruba part of Lagos that roundly rejected the APC? And do you know what he said to me? He said, the governor is going to make it so that he can win the elections on his own merit next time around. That's part of why, you know, the small the small loans thing that the government does, you know, yeah. they, they've, they've gone to lengths to make sure it's as inclusive as possible to the point where some people are even grumbling. But who cares? They've gone to lengths to make sure it's as inclusive as possible, that the effects of that program is felt everywhere do you see what i'm saying that was to that end to the end that amode could win an election on his own merit the next time around however even if you do that one thing well and every everything else has fallen apart it's not enough well well, yes that's the yeah i think it's a combination of that the fact that other things will be falling apart and i think we're getting to the point where as they say all political careers end in failure We'll get to the point where the Tinubu brand in Lagos is now becoming a problem. So even if Tinubu and Ambode reconcile, I think for many of those voters, it's a wrap the fact for that yes, the fact that this is Tinubu's anointed candidate. Michael is it's now, a wrap for him. Where I come from, Lagos Island, and I, I tweeted this many times. I'm from a big political family. It's been a thing in my village right now that Tinubu has to go. It's been a thing yeah. since Fashola's second term. And a lot, a lot of people, and this is this is a Yoruba stronghold, do you understand me? A lot of yeah. people feel this way, but they're scared or they don't have the right tools to make it happen. Now, if that's what I keep saying to you, the narrative is the most important part of these elections, especially in Lagos. If the right narrative can be strung together, this thing is doable, Michael. I know it looks impossible and I'm a bit of a dreamer. But if the right narrative can be strung together, because listen, the PDP already has a constituency in Lagos. They are not starting from zero. The last elections, even if you accept that Ambode won, it was ridiculously close, considering they thought it was their stronghold, right? Yes. They're not going to start from zero. You need to be able to tell the right story to Lagosians. Freedom is the story. It sounds really cheesy, I know, but look, people are fed up to the hilt of Tinubu. They are fed up. Well, they can craft a story. The real problem is, you need a candidate who has vision. You know what I was saying. About and who can Sarah sell? Area. And who can sell that vision? Yes, yes. So basically, Sarah is intelligent enough to work with international consultants to say, okay, how can we craft a story? The person who could have done it in Lagos was Abaji. But like many people rightly said, after that previous election, Abaji just went quiet, rather than taking advantage of the of the leadership gap build his profile, he disappeared. Now they are saying Okedola is on the agenda. I, I don't see that. Well, I, the reason I, I don't see that is, you know, as with every big prominent Nigerian politician, they, they build they build their profile and success largely on being, on the benevolence of these politicians and not being on their wrong side. If Abadja yeah. goes to the PDP, all of a sudden, Lagos State Inland Revenue Service will just start sticking notices on his businesses. Well, you know, as they say in Nigeria, uh, power past power. Mm-hmm. So, Otedola is an ambassador boy through and through. So, and he's also he, from an old political family. 
Yes, but it's, it's an Obasanjo literally making. So the real question is, from the moment Tinubu dead, Obasanjo started making all those comments that that old godfather needs to go and rest and stuff like that, he basically has declared war on Obasanjo. So Obasanjo will, if Obasanjo is keen, he will tell um, he will tell Ojedola, enter this race, nothing will happen to you. And even in Lagos, there's an extent to which Tinubu can flex his muscles. There's some people who see, realize that, okay, I better leave them alone because I don't want to start with, I can't finish. So I think if Tinubu, if Ojedola enters the race, nothing will happen. Nothing will happen to him. So, uh, but I, and I, you know, there's a bit of ethnic solidarity there. You know, Ojedola and Amore are both from Ekwe. Mm. So there's the feeling amongst the Ekwe people that why we, when it's our turn, why would you then play our son like that in quotations? Mm. So... I think this Sawalu thing will bring out it might I don't know. I mean I, if Ot- if Otodola runs, he's gonna give them a run for their money, man. Of, of course, because you know the likes of Dangote and many other businessmen will throw money behind yeah, him. Yeah, because it works for them. Yes. Know? It works man, if he if he runs if yeah. he runs, he's gonna capture all the I mean he's gonna capture the young people. He's going to yeah. capture the people who look to him as an as inspiration because his lifestyle yeah. is aspirational. Do you understand? Yeah. I mean, listen, it'll be, <laughs> if he actually runs, yeah. oh my, oh my. Then it's going to be a tough game. So, to be honest, if, if the PDP was serious, then I would say they should pull in Otterola. But from what I've heard, because as I was saying a few days ago, Dele Momodo actually delivers some good gist. So, I think it's already but something he's just a buffoon. Pardon? But he's just a buffoon. No, he's, the, the, the one thing I, I like, I don't like about him is... He, he's, he's, you know the way people talk about selfies. He always does literary selfies. Right? He, he spends half his article talking about himself. Yeah. So, so but, embarrassing his children, crying on camera, all that rubbish. Yeah. Like, what's that about, man? Well, he delivers some good uh, political insights, and for what he's saying, they've uh, the, uh, the discussions are already ongoing. And I, I noticed that because uh, over the past year or two, Montero had been literally improving his profile yeah, in the media yeah, and on yeah. Instagram and all that. So you mm-hmm. could see something was building up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, to be honest, if he gets a ticket, then if I were Tinubu, I'd be very worried because it, it will be a real contest. Man, I mean, I'm so, like, I'm really so disappointed. I mean, the idea the idea that Ambode could still, in the end, be given the ticket is laughable. It's actually laughable. They've rubbished him. He's, like, yeah. he's, he's just finished. He's finished. He's finished. And this Somolu, the fact that he's also Tinubu's anointed is a huge yeah. negative, is a huge negative for him. And if he had any sense, which apparently he does not, he would, <laughs> he, he would separate himself from the from the halo that's, you know, trying to be placed on him as the anointed one. You know? Well, he can't, he can't do that now because if you try to separate now, you have to wait till you win. But yeah, the, the yes, question but is, can he win? Michael, so see, this is my, you've read the book The Godfather, right? When Don Corleone was behind somebody, it was always tacit. It was never like in your face, I am behind this person, right? Because yeah. he, it's important for you to have individual respect that you've earned by yourself. That's what keeps the business running. Because if every time the Godfather has to intervene for people to respect you, it means you're costing him more time than you're worth, right? So but- if you're a Godfather, not that I support Godfatherism, I'm just positing these ideas. If you're a Godfather, it does not does it not behoove you to remain quiet in the background and let your sugar baby earn his respect? So no, he but can this, stand no, up. the kind of Godfatherism they practice in Nigeria 
is the one where you have to worship me. So even the mere suggestion that you're your own man is an insult to the Godfather. So even if he, he doesn't care whether it's in his long-term interest, no. He wants the kind of godson where every single speech you make, you have to acknowledge that Asiwaju was the one behind my success. So Tinubu can't even contemplate that kind of independence. It is not in there. Yeah, sort of like uh, one Mark Max was saying, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. A, that's a kind of... I mean, you're right, because I remember when they did the interview about this uh, flood breaches thing that they learned from the Netherlands. Kashala started the statement by saying, oh, by by the grace of Ashwadi Tinubu, you know, we've been able to do this. I was like, what's, what's this rubbish? Well, well yes, that's what, that's what they want to hear. Like, this Godfatherism thing is very petty. But Michael, in a state where you know, and we know that Tinubu is not stupid, he knows, he has to know, that there is major discontent with his style and his overbearing manner, right? Well, he has to know that it behooves him to step back because Samuel Lu is now starting with one hand behind his back because people are very wary of Tinubu and imposition. Well, if you read Muiz Banire's article today, he said, he says, in the older days, Tinubu used to tolerate dissent and would debate. Yeah. Well, the thing with power is that the more power you get, the more it corrupts. So gradually you get to the point where any attempt to even challenge you becomes seen as some sort of uh, you becoming uh, rebellious. And my auntie and uncle, for example, were my uncle who was one of the Nadeko leaders, even when they were in exile, had the same problems with Tinubu. A few other people said the same thing. When they were in Nadeko, anytime there was a meeting and something was agreed that Tinubu Opposed, he will stop funding the group because mm. I don't know how, but he was the one providing most of the funds, even for Nadeko abroad. Mm-hmm. So he'd always been like this, but they tolerated him then because okay, he was bringing money, so they had to manage him. Yes, but, but it's 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 very 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 disgusting because now we know that you're you're earning the same amount as the governor earns. We know that you own Alpha Beta. We know that. You're not happy with the with the revenue allocation to you for your own ends. We know that you pick every single member of the Labour State Assembly. We know that you you insist on picking every single member of the delegation to the federal, apart from when people in in, in Suriliri almost bucked, people in Amuo Dofeng, people in uh, uh, what's this other Igbo area, Pestak and all that. Well, I know, thank yeah. you. We will choose Ajegunle, yeah. etc. You know, we will choose our own reps. They started something. This is what I was saying on Twitter. The, the key to defeating this guy is appealing to non Yoruba Lagosians. And I've said this to you as well before. The middle class, the lecky, the lecky lot, because they are also very aggrieved. They, they constitute yeah. the largest revenue base in the country and they are not getting the bang for their buck. Look at the, look at the, the toll gates. The fees are going up. Yet you will spend almost four hours in traffic on some days. Nothing, yeah. nothing is being done to affect people's lives ne- positively. So Lagos is ripe for disruption. The problem, like you've identified, is that the PDP does not appear to be ready and serious. Well, if they if they can bring in someone like Otedola and they can build the right alliances, then I think they can take it. But not just Otedola at the top of the ticket. They need to attack the assembly because if if you have Otedola there, he's going to be impeached if the assembly remains the same. Well, well, yes, no, you, yes, you build a, a real uh, guerrilla movement. The, the thing with people like Otedola is, Otedola understands the use of 
media messaging, you understand, understand building coalitions, you bring Obasanjo on board, you bring up people like him who bring the right uh, characters into the game. So the, the game is winnable because, to, truth be told, even forget Ortega, even if there was no opposition, this Tinubu system is destined to collapse because... And it's nearing the collapse. Yes, so even without PDP, it would, they would, APC would eventually get to an internal so civil war. So how, how is it going to... See, the collapse is approaching, but it needs to be hastened. Do you understand? And the way it can be hastened is to have viable opposition. I mean, Ambaje yes. has declared that he would like to run again, but the guy is so annoying. He's so annoying for the reasons you've earlier stated. I like him. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I like him. I watched him debate Ambode and I tweeted that day that Ambode next to Abadi looks really pedestrian. But oh yes, no, Abadi was clearly the better candidate. So he I, I would have liked him to win. But Abadi is I think maybe more of an old school politician. There's not a standard. He's too much of a gentleman. Cultivates the voters. Yeah, he's too much of a gentleman. And he's too aloof. Yeah. Almost almost British in that style. He's quite aloof and he's, you know, quiet. Oh, yeah. I don't see what uh, either gentleman has to do with this. You, I think if you want to run for office, it's same like applying for a career. You, if you want to be a lawyer, you need to have the steps you know you're going to take to get you there. Anyway, you're right. You're right. I'm, I'm, uh, it doesn't really seem to have a, a plan in that regard. You're right. I mean, so, it, what, what, what has he been doing for the last... When when the whole visionscape brouhaha happened, we heard nothing from you. When the yeah. Alpha Beta scandal a scandal exploded, we heard nothing from you. So even the whole Otodo Bame issue, we heard nothing from you. There. You know, so it's 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 quite galling for you to turn up five months of the elections and say, oh yeah, I'm I'm running again. <laughs> but I mean, I I don't suppose it matters much because when he contested the last time, it was the same thing virtually. No, but but then the, the thing is, like I think you were saying at the beginning. When you first come into something, people are more willing to give you emotional support. Because, that's true. That's true. But once it's been a while and you haven't done anything to 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 justify or to to keep the thing going, yeah, that's then people. True. So he's the first time it came, people thought, okay, yes, yes, we can rally well, around. That was the second time, actually. Yeah, but yeah, that was second time. But as time goes by, people are just people now. What figure you out and say, look, all you do is reappear in campaign season and then disappear. So. Okay, so to round this up now, what do you see for Lagos? Because, I mean, Lagos is a purple state, and to, to use American parlance, people think, oh, it's an, it's an APC, but it's very, it's very close. If there's, yes. an, if, there's a, if there's an APC majority, we're talking 48, 50, if that, yeah? So yes. what do you see? Let's, let's play, it, uh, let's play a magic meg, a mystic meg, rather, for our non-British listeners. That's just like the lady who looks into a glass and predicts the future. So let's play a bit of Mystic Meg. What do you see, given all the machinations that we've just discussed, what do you see being the outcome in 2019 for Lagos? Well, in 2019, I think uh, two things could happen. The first is if the PDP picks a competitive candidate, maybe someone like Femi Otedola or even Agbaje, but help to spice him up, mm-hmm. then the race will be very close. But that's also conditioned upon them building the right alliances or uniting the PDP. The loss of Koro is quite a, a significant blow to the PDP, so I don't know if they can get the numbers. On the other hand, I think even without the PDP being present, if Tinubu does not manage this uh, uh, godfather system properly, then the party could implode from within. So pushing Ambode out might offend many people. So that base might not come out to vote, and they might just vote for the opposition instead. So I think either way, the APC is wounded 
between 2019 and... But you and agree that the opposition, without doing much, has a real chance in Lagos? Well, they have a good chance, but if they want to have a, a strong cast-iron chance of winning, then they need to unite. They need they need a candidate who can bring everybody together. Not only that, right? They need something exciting. Well, like, yes, that's what I mean. Like, when like I was... Bring... I was trying to say to Kingsley Mohalu, because I, I went to hear his speech at uh, the LSE the other day, I was trying to say to him, trying to do the same thing that people have seen before, it, it kind of turns people off. I mean, at best you get apathy, right? And at worst you just get opprobrium from them, okay? Yeah. The PDP needs to spice it up. If it's if it's tickets with women, if it's tickets with the young people, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? The young people that are that were thrown out of the APC and told to wait their turn, all these kinds of people, the PDP could spend some time reaching out to. Spice it up. Well, Let people well, feel like they own the ticket. Like this is their race, not just being dictated to by somebody from a, a government house somewhere. Jonathan, because if you're saying if you're setting yourself apart from the APC and all the ills of the APC, you have to do things differently. Well, well, that's one of the brilliant things that Saki did when he appointed Ilemon Aonoja as his campaign spokesman. That's a fine man. He's a fine, yes. fine gentleman. Yeah. But yeah, that's a young man we all know from mm-hmm. social media. He's like one of us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And somebody says, "Okay, you come and take a serious job," as opposed to the previous uh, APC pipe thing where Buhari will give you some. Uh, Appointment that neither here nor there. <laughs> so P- PDP is already is is doing Saraki is doing. That's one of the reasons why he's he's a he's a he's. I, I don't like him on many respects, but I can also respect some of the things that he's no, that doing. That was I mean I was very pleased with that appointment as yes. well. If for nothing for the fact that he trusted a young person to be able to speak for him, I was I was very I mean and and appointing donkey whatever. You know that I'm not very fond of Donkey or whatever his name is. Donkey Ooh, Don Joe. Dekujo. Yeah, Donkey. Why do I keep calling him Donkey? Don Dekujo. You know, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not very fond of him. However, I think that appointment is also a good one. This is somebody who pays close attention to facts, even if it colors yeah. him in a partisan way. He's smart. He can engage on a number of issues, and I think yeah. that that appointment was also a good one. And it really, you know, it's really yeah. inspired, and it shows that he's got his fingers on the pulse of what's going on. No, no, no. Ayobami and Ilemona, you have to give it to them. They are oh. very, very. I mean, I wish there was. A, I wish there was a, a female uh, appointee as well. But hey, you you take what yeah. you can get. Um, no, yes, no. We, we. I, one thing I, I'm certain of is if Saraki wins, he'll have a very broad-based, gender-balanced type cabinet. Because, like you, like you said, even his wife, they're, they're, they're modern. They're, they're, there are many things wrong with them. In, in, in many respects, like I said, on, even on Twitter, they remind me of the Clintons. There's good things about them, but there's many things about mm, the mm. package that is yeah, also annoying. I, no, I'm, I mean, I think that's a yeah. fair, that's a, that's a fair comparison, actually. Yeah. That's a fair comparison. Um, but, mm. but. Uh, Ayobami and uh, Ilemona. This is why I like Ayobami because we argue, like we're we're friends. But if we any issue, we will argue. And the thing is, I like that about the PDP group, which is no, there's no Godfather thing where some, somebody comes to tell us that. Uh, but you know that you, bend right. you know that um, don't compare, and I mean this with all due respect. Don't compare guys like Ayobami, Ilemona, and all those with the current of people supporting the APC don't um, I, I, I mean ser- honestly speaking because you know that these are people whose ideas if where they exist are locked in a cooler somewhere because they're waiting for marching orders from someone so if it's to go right they'll go right if it's to go left they'll... so I don't blame them too much because 
they're very obvious with that. I mean, you've got some people who are employed by virtue of having run Buhari's campaign, but they're employed in government jobs. You've got, some, yeah. you know, et cetera, et cetera. So you know that they don't really have ideas as such. It's, it's in their personal interest for the government to be perpetuated. So they won't speak against the government and they won't really engage you on indisputable facts, so to speak, because it's in their interest to say what they've been appointed well, to say, so to speak. Well, well, that's always been, because when people always say things like there's no difference between PDP and APC, that's why I always disagree, because that's one of the things that PDP stands out with. Even under Jonathan or even on Basanjo, they were always robust debates. Even uh, Rufai and Co. used to argue in the Federal Executive Council meetings. It was, there was never a case where Basanjo said, everybody, let's bend right. And everybody bent. They used to argue. Mm. So the real problem with, I think that's because of the way the PDP is structured. Mm. There's no central government. Everybody has a say and everybody must talk. The APC's problem is, I think to a large extent, Tinubu brought a lot of his bad habits from Lagos, and then Buhari too brought his bad habits from uh, Katsina. So there's more of a case in the APC where we decide and the rest of you keep quiet and, and go and uh, just do as you're told. Hmm. It's all getting very interesting, Michael. I mean, this is what I, this is what I, this is what spurs me. This is what I live for these days. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I've heard somebody today on Twitter. I love politics, and I wish we could get to the point where. Politics becomes a debate about issues and constant analysis, as opposed to that's why I detest Godfather. Characters, as opposed to characters, you know. Yes, I mean, nobody's debating ideas. We're just saying, well, Tinubu said we should go left, so we're all. I mean, to be fair, the my, mandate we shall stand. So. My candidate, my candidate is Kingsley Mohammed, and I, I, I think if you're being objective, he says yeah. the best man in the race. But well, um, you know, we were running, we're running with a small party. We don't have the same media coverage, you know, so things, things, everything is against us, but we march still, we go forward. Look, the one thing I have, I hold, there's two things that I hold against Mogalu, not hold against, but there are two things that are not going in this direction. The first is obviously, I don't know who told him to go into that primaries with other uh, packed primaries where he lost, because the agreement was if you lose, then you support the winner, but somehow, yeah. I don't know who carried him in there in the first place, and then... What damaged it was the fact that you brought Obi as a quasi to be the umpire, and then after she's put her reputation on the line to organize this thing, you're now rubbish her. I mean, you're that, now trying to rubbish yeah, her. That, so, that thing, that thing really actually pained me, and I think it's, it's it spoke to the disjointed nature of the campaign at this moment because you have a lot of people who are advising him who are not part of the campaign proper. So even yes. even as he went into pact and he lost because the the voting thing was a shambles to be very fair. Um, Going into Pact, the agreement was everyone who's a part of Pact is free, regardless of Pact, is free to continue to pursue their own ambitions. Do you understand? Well, they should have never... Wait, what's listen, the point of let, me, let, me, let, let me finish. They're free yeah. to pursue their own ambitions. However, he was really the only one of all the people who had, a, who had something of a, a semblance of a serious campaign going. He had, yes. the, he had the most to lose barely anything to gain because even if he won packed it wouldn't really have moved the needle one way or the other because it's not like the rest of the uh, the rest of the aspirants were serious on his yeah. level do you understand so all he had to do he had way too much to lose and not enough to gain however i think the gamble was winning packed would give him a fillip so they they took that gamble however on the day of the vote less than half of the people who signed up to the pact actually voted 
a lot of people a lot of people came saw that the thing was a shambles and left some people after the first round dropped out but you still stayed and i'm having a problem understanding that because to me it just shows his political naivete because at that point he had everything to lose and nothing to gain and he's found it hard to gain the same level of momentum from the moment of that pact thingy happening till now well, well, that's that's the problem. I, I don't see why he should have gone in because he was the best known. He was the only serious person amongst all of them who people said, okay, it's a serious candidate. So I don't know why he went in there. Mm-hmm. So that's the first issue I think he has. But the second issue is the, the what I said about Saraki. Saraki has the X factor. Mogadou does not have the X factor. He's a um, brilliant I, man. Yeah, he, has I the, said, he has a good CV. I but, said this to you on Twitter and Again, your retort was your usual retort, which is just really funny to me. So I chose not to engage you further. But I saw him in person. Look, I'm, I am I think you can admit that if I found something wrong with Mohalu, I would say. Because I don't think that I'm blindly partisan to anybody. Even whilst I was supporting Buhari, the very first article I wrote about him was one that was criticizing his government. That's how I feel. The, main, the primary objective for me is to support who I feel is best for the country. I'm not, I agree. A, I'm not about the person. I'm about the ideas. Okay. So anyway, yes. I heard Mohali's speech at the LSE. Michael, he has charisma. <laughs> Trust me, he has charisma in oodles. But his problem is he talks at a very high level. He has not mastered how to speak to, say, a pepper seller, for example, who needs to understand what how you are different to the status quo. He has not but, mastered how to speak to that But that's part person. of the whole yes, yes. X, X factor. On that, on that level, you are right. No, but it's what Samuel Cowell says. I've, I, because I've watched many of Mogadou's videos. If you're talking about CV, then I'll say yes, he and Saraki are neck, neck, neck in terms of CV. But when you're talking about who has that X factor, like who is on TV, and then you stop and say, this dude has something. Saraki has that something. I, I can't really quite put pin it down, but Mogadou doesn't have that thing. No, I'm not saying it would be a fantastic uh, president. I think it will be. I think until president. you put him next to Saraki... Because, I mean, I was saying to somebody on the campaign who reached out to me the other day, I think it's important for his campaign to harp on the need to have debates. Until you put him next to Saraki, you can't really judge him. No, from, from the videos I've seen of Saraki and Mogalu, if I, I 100% think if they have a debate, Saraki will win because Saraki okay. is more articulate than okay. Mogalu. Okay, we shall because see. Because Mogalu is more of an academic. I Ho- think Saraki will actually win. Hopefully we get the luxury of having a debate. If if Saraki actually wins the ticket, I mean, I think he has every reason, hopefully, fingers crossed, to actually attend a debate, and then we shall see. But Truth be told, if, if Saraki gets the ticket, if I were him, mm-hmm. if Buhari is not coming to attend the debate, mm-hmm. then I won't waste my time with the debate. I would literally, if Buhari is not coming, I'm not going. I'll just do yeah, but you know that, you know that one Buhari, you know that Buhari is not going to come. <laughs> if I, what does he want to debate because, there? <laughs> The, the only person who gains from a debate is Saraki. Why is not going to be there? He's Mogalu, not me. I'll just do town hall style meetings where you can ask me any questions. Yeah, I mean, so I, I, be... I think that would be that would be fair, to be honest. I wouldn't advise if my candidate was the was the challenger, was the actual de facto challenger. I would not advise him to attend such a debate either, to be fair. Yeah, because PDP is a is a, is a party that is pulling millions of votes, and then mm-hmm. you want me to run against someone who, we're not even sure, can get up to hundred thousand votes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be a fair stance, but he's who I'm supporting because his ideas appeal to me. I think he has workable ideas and his CV proves that he's put those ideas to use. So that's who I'm supporting. I'm tired of the status quo, like I told you. If if the YPP had a 
a candidate for the legal state governorship seat, that's where I would be supporting as well. But, but the only thing I must warn is what exactly you warned me about in Lagos, which uh-huh. is, I'm not 100% fan of Saraki, but at the same time, we have to remember that any candidate who wants to implement change uh-huh. needs to be able to win a good number in the legislature as well. That's right. And I don't see how YPP is going to win any states. That's how I, I mean, look, let me be very frank with you right now. I do not yeah. think the YPP is going to win. Yes. Do you understand me? I think the, the biggest the biggest chance the YPP has in making a dent in the figures returned is getting young people activated and engaged. Yeah. And for some strange reason, maybe it's by virtue of his own very academic bookish nature or, or hiring the wrong people to manage his campaign thus far, the YPP has not been able to really grasp and own that particular constituency. Do you understand what I'm exactly, saying? Exactly. So, that's what I'm saying. Sarki is actually doing that. Wait, let me, let, 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 me, let me land. So I yes. think I think that's a problem in and of itself. The campaign doesn't have funds, so we can't compete with the Sarki who has funds. We don't have funds. But what we do have, we have ideas, we have business people on board, we have people who are willing to put their own reputations on the line to support this very tiny campaign. However, nationally... It's a no-go. I know that we're not going to win. If we get 100,000 votes, for me, that would be a victory in and of itself. But what I am disappointed about is that we're not engaging more on a local level because I think that is probably where the party can make any gain if it makes any at all, right? On a local level. So you know that there's a lot of discontent in Lagos, for example. Target that area. You know, fill the void that the PDP has failed to fill. Put up somebody who is recognizable with a voice and someone who would get some media attention. I told him this. When I asked my question on Thursday, this was the question that I asked him. You know, what he was doing to engage on a local level. And he said to me, basically, the party doesn't have enough money or media coverage right now. But what he's doing is looking for more volunteers and trying to raise funds, etc., etc. You know, that kind of thing. But on a local level, he needs to engage. Not him, not just him. The YPP itself needs to mop up all the young people whose political ambitions cannot be fulfilled within the structures of the PDP and APC. It needs to make itself attractive to those people. And they well, failed well, to do that's that my, that, That's my main worry, because if I was advising him, I would actually said, look, sometimes maybe you have to make a pragmatic choice and see if you could maybe find a home in a bigger party that can give you a, maybe a governorship seat. So... If he starts off, he may be running for governor of his... Is he, is he from Anambra or Abia State? Uh, I'm not sure which state in the, in the east is I'm, from. I mean, it, it wasn't important to me, so I have not bothered to find, yeah. to find out. Yeah, so maybe he starts, started off as governor. Obviously, he's built his profile, but I think even if PDP wins, it, I don't know if they can persuade him to accept, but I think Monga will be a fantastic candidate for maybe finance minister or minister for planning or even a central bank governor after a Mifelis term ends. So... I don't think his career is over. The real question is whether... No, I don't either. If, if the PDP can get a reformed government to win, then they can bring him in, and he could even be a contender for the Southeast presidential ticket after uh, uh, a PDP president. That's, that's assuming the PDP wins. I mean, but, look, you can understand that this exercise is also in part to raise his own profile, right? Well, yes. Yes, yes. This, this is building him up. So I'm saying mm-hmm. YPP should not be averse to a merger with one of the parties, I don't know, APC or PDP, whichever party they want to merge with. But I think if Mogali wants to build that national profile, then he probably has to merge and then they'll give him something that can don't, raise him don't, for presidency. Don't think, don't think that that's against his plans. Look, I'm not naive, at least not, not at, at the same level of naivete and 
raw hope I had in 2015. I know yep. that this is in part an exercise to raise the candidate's own profile, and I think also to give him some kind of leverage for the for the kind of merger you're speaking about. Do you understand? Yes. And I think a man like Mohalu does lend some some credibility to a ticket because yeah. he's a proven professional, not only nationally, internationally. So I think he understands that too. You know, so yeah. that in part I'm sure informs this entire run. On, you know, yeah. because it's hard. I mean, your your ex CBN deputy governor or whatever he was, it's hard to be known. Yeah. So somehow you have to raise your profile nationally if you have an interest in politics. You have to find a way to raise your profile. And I think this in part is what he's doing. I'm not mad at that. Politicians yep. are inherently selfish, and that's fine. That's perfectly fine by me. I'm no, I think he's a nice guy. I just think, uh, yeah, he'll be. He, I think he'll, he'll be a fine president if he wins. Obviously, I don't. I don't think he can win. Mm-mm. So, Mm-mm. well, yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think we've managed miraculously to cover everything that happened what in the last month or so. So that's good. It's quite a long episode, but we want to thank you as usual for sticking with us and listening to us. Please feel free to ask us any questions that arise as a result of this podcast on Twitter. You can find me on at Afro7. That's A-F-R-O-V-I-I. That's Afro7 on Twitter. And you can find Michael on... Nigeria's Best. Nigeria's Best on Twitter. He only talks <laughs> politics. So don't ask yes. him asking him about feminism or patriarchy <laughs> or anything. You know, he only strictly talks politics. Yes, so. because I don't want them to, to drag me on, <laughs> on top of that. <laughs> He's a wimp. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't have the range. You don't have the range. <laughs> I'm just like, what range is it? Yeah, range Rover. Michael, but do you have I, the range? <laughs> I, don't, I don't own a range, so they'll say I'm helping to perpetuate patriarchy for one, one instant. It take me days to, to decipher. So, I stay in my lane. Yeah, he's scared, as you can see, ladies and gentlemen. So yeah, feel free to ask us any questions that arise from here. And you know, it's been lovely recording this podcast. I always enjoy talking to Michael about politics, even when we disagree. Oh, yes. It's a, it's a worthwhile. Likewise. It's a worthwhile Likewise. exercise. Um, Michael, stay on the line, please. <laughs>